Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I tell you what, winter arrived, didn't it? Uh, we, were, uh, we were getting a little spoiled with that 60-plus degree weather. weather. I was having dinner on the patio quite often, and it was uh, it was beautiful out. And uh, although we needed moisture desperately, we're going to need a lot more moisture. We'll talk about that off and on, not only during this show, but, of course, during the weeks through the winter, because it's going to be very important to get a good snowpack this year with everything that's happened. And then spring could be interesting after the fires. So we got a lot to uh, keep track of to make sure we're enjoying our outdoors responsibly and we know what's going on out there. Uh, and, and know what resources will be available. Today we're going to talk quite a bit of ice fishing. I mean, you look outside, it's it's the time, and it is starting. People are getting out on the ice. There is a tremendous pent-up demand to go ice fishing. Uh, a lot of new ice anglers out there, and uh, those of us that are experienced probably need to take them by the hand and make sure they we keep them safe and also teach them how to have a great experience out there and let's recruit some new good people into the outdoors we're going to talk some waterfall hunting later in the show we're going to talk some shooting and we're going to talk a lot of christmas gifts uh this week and next week now next week i want to let you know and i'll we'll post this on facebook you should follow us on facebook it's terry wickstrom outdoors on facebook we talk a lot about what's going on in the show we bring up a lot of the topics from the show we bring up my articles from the denver post we do a lot of things on our facebook page so you should follow us at terry wickstrom outdoors on facebook we'll post this but next saturday because the because the broncos are playing saturday we're going to have a pregame show here for the broncos so we're going to move to sunday next week and we're going to do a, a a longer show two and a half hours so uh next next sunday we'll be on that's the 20th we'll be on from uh 8 to 10.30, so tune in for that, and tell your friends, too, if they don't normally listen. We'll, well, maybe we can get some more participants and get, get a lot of people involved. Let's go to the phones right now, and joining us from uh, GSO Anglers up in the Blue Mesa area is and- Andy Cochran. Good morning, Andy. Uh, good morning, Terry. How's the weather up there? Did you guys get much snow? Yeah, we're uh, watching it snow right now. It started uh, Thursday night, and it has not stopped. So it is exactly what we needed. Well, I know we're going to talk fishing conditions, and they may have even changed since you and I talked earlier in the week. But let's start out with water level conditions and then maybe talk about what the web, the snow is looking like at this point. What is the water level and the conditions at Blue Mesa and the lakes around you? Sure. Uh, Blue Mesa, we are kind of officially 55 feet from high water, which normally they try to hold our lake at 25 to 30 feet below high water through the winter. So it sounds like a kind of a daunting number, but we're actually only about 20 feet lower, 25 feet lower than normal. And with the biggest lake in the state, it's, there's still plenty of water, but, but yeah, it's low. Um, Taylor Reservoir is actually at a pretty normal winter level, so everything up there looks about the same as it normally would. And So as far as that goes, Blue Mesa is missing a little water, but I think overall we're going into winter in a little better shape than what it looked like we would in the, at the end of the summer. So, 
Well, that's good. You know, in a couple of years ago, actually, Blue Mesa was drastically down, and uh, we had that incredible snowpack, and we filled that lake as full as I think I've ever seen it and recovered. And even though 20 feet of water in a lake, 20, 25 feet of water in a lake that large is a lot of water, um, a good winter will probably put us in good shape. And we won't really know if we're going to get enough snow till we get to probably March or April, will we? Yeah, it's a, it's looking pretty good right now, but um, if we can just sustain an average or slightly above average snowpack, we'll we'll gain back at least half that water we're missing. So we're doing our snow dance all winter long around here. I'm sure everybody is, but I'll bet. Um, as far as the snow, what do you have on the ground up there for other people coming up to do things other than fishing? You know, a lot of people come to that area to cross-country ski to snowshoe to hike what's the snow like in that area the gunnison area yeah so ski areas are open and running um monarch reported a new four inches overnight and they've been getting the same snow we've been getting this morning all day so the powder reports are looking really good for the ski area stuff um in town now there's probably three to four inches in Gunnison on the ground. So as you get into the foothills, it gets a little deeper and a little deeper. So there's plenty of snow cover for cross-country skiing and snowshoeing now. And the high country stuff around Taylor and Lake City is starting to look pretty good for everybody coming around to go snowmobiling. So, so far, so good. Well, that sounds good. Now, when I talked to you earlier in the week, you were both ice fishing and open water fishing on Blue Mesa Reservoir. What's the status now? I mean, with this snow, do you still have open water? Are you still are your boat ramps still open? Yeah, we went yesterday and got some fresh pictures and a fresh report for everybody. We try to do a weekly update on all our social media platforms. So anybody that wants to keep tabs on this lake, that's a really good way to do it. You can just find us at GSO Fishing on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll try to keep everybody updated there with pictures and conditions with that kind of stuff. Uh, basically, what we saw was uh, the last time we were at the lake was Monday, and there was a few spots in the Iola Basin that were capped over, and there were actually people ice skating and out on a few little pads of ice out there. So between Monday and yesterday... Iola went, the basin went from about 15% ice to about 75% ice. And it was real apparent where the new ice was because it was still gray, where everything that was thick and solid had snow on top. So you can kind of see that from the pictures. But uh, so that puts the lake as a whole, I'd say about, there's still probably 85% of the lake is wide open. Uh, Elk Creek and Lake Fork boat ramps are still open, um, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. They have muscle people staff there, so you can come in and launch your boat. And that will continue to be the case until ice closes in and closes those ramps down. They do temporarily, like in a case today, close those ramps down for an hour or so to get the plows down there to clean them up for you, but... There's a ton of area out there to open water fish, and about 15% of the lake now is frozen and ice fishable as well. 
Well, you know, when you're talking open water fishing, a lot of people think, well, I winterized my boat. Well, if you have an outboard, now if you have an I.O., you've drained it, you put stuff in it, it's a real chore to get it ready, and you could freeze up when you're on the lake. But if you have an outboard that pumps water from the lake through and you make sure you just lower your motor and drain it, um, I very seldom do more to my boat than put stable in it anymore. I don't fog my motors anymore because the new modern metallurgy that they have in these motors you really don't need to. And a lot of them have a storage uh, a storage setting that you can run them and they squirt some extra oil through. But there's nothing wrong with taking an outboard out and just draining the water out of it. Uh, when you're done, you can go as long as, long as there's open water. And that's one of the advantages of an outboard motor. What kind of fish can you expect to catch in open water for as long as it lasts out there right now, Andy? Sure. So the probably the best bite on the lake right now is for brown trout. It fishes really similar now as it does at ice out for brown trout. Those things are post-spawn. They're up shallow looking for feed, feeding up for winter. They're super aggressive. Even though the water temps are like in the low 40s, these fish are still really aggressive and feeding up. It doesn't seem to slow them down much. So guys can run the banks, throw your hair jigs, jerk baits, swim baits, kind of the typical stuff, and catch a lot of brown trout. And the other thing that you're going to see, too, is typically these fish in the fall, early winter, are actually bigger and in a lot better body condition than we see them at ice out coming out in the spring. So... Your chances of catching, you know, high six, seven, eight-pound browns this time of year are actually a lot better than they are in the spring. And then on the other side of that, too, is it's real similar for the lake trout, kind of doing the same exact thing. Those things are up, cruising the flats, looking for an easy meal before things freeze up and they kind of go into winter mode. But there was, uh, I think I heard of three different lake trout last week caught that were over 20 pounds from the few guys that were out in their boats. And so this is a great time of year to get your boat out and try to catch some trophy fish as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. No, people don't, they think lake, they think of lake trout as a deep water fish, but they're a deep water fish because they can't tolerate water warmer than 55 degrees. And they love being where the other fish are because that's what they eat. So when that water gets that cold in the whole lake, they can forage anywhere, and they'll be up eating rainbows and kokanee if they're available, of course, and perch in that lake. But also the brown trout, you know, there's even the smaller lake trout. Now you get those big lake trout, everything's lunch to them, isn't it? That's a great point. We, Over the years, we've seen a lot more brown trout tails sticking out of lake trout throats than really probably anything else that they seem to cohabitate quite a bit and those lake trout take advantage of that so there's nothing that's off the menu for a lake trout you're right you're right let's talk a little bit more about the presentation too you talked about the brown trout now you're a tournament bass angler fishing those banks for brown trout when i've done it it just reminds me of almost like smallmouth bass fishing is that kind of how you see it yeah we always treat our browns like a like a smallmouth. you're exactly right and it's kind of right up my alley it's a lot of power fishing kind of stuff um we actually make a series of lures that we've designed specifically for trout that kind of hail from the bass world certain skirted jigs and stuff that we make specific to our fish up here and so 
they look just like a bass jig, but they're scaled for a trout, and, man, they work good. So we're talking skirted bass jigs on a football head that you put a crawdad trailer on and drag it like just like you would for bass, or we also make like a swim jig style that you would put a swim bait like a 2.8 paddle tail swim bait on and roll that through the rocks and cover like just like you would for a bass. Crankbaits and jerkbaits, as far as hardbaits, are pretty hard to beat for a brown trout as well. And you almost can't go too big. We throw a lot of Lucky Craft jerkbaits out here that are four or five inches long. And you'll catch all the size runs, too, of, of trout. They're just they're really aggressive. And the more aggressively you can fish for those things, the better of a day you're going to have, I think. Yeah, I think I couldn't agree with you more. It's just it's great fishing. What about the lake trout that are still in open water? Uh, what how do you what are you throwing at those? What kind of presentations? Uh, they're still for the most part real bottom oriented fish. So we do use our electronics on the boats a lot, but you can also access those fish now from a lot of places from the bank. And one of the real common techniques if you're shore fishing for them. Again, it's big jerk baits. You can get those real aggressive ones there. But you can also, we throw a lot of, a football head's real important for fish in our lake. It's real rocky, and they tend to hang up a little less than any other head style as far as a jig goes. You can throw a big, like, half-ounce football head with a three- or four-inch swim bait on there as a trailer. has been a really effective technique from the bank to try to get some of these lake trout as well as the typical four- to five-inch tube jig on, like, a half- to one-ounce head just to keep bottom contact, just slow roll any of those lures and just kind of keep almost fish them like a crankbait. Just keep them moving, keep them crawling over those rocks, and when your rod loads up, you got him. All right. Let's move on to a couple other species, and I still want to talk to you about the ice fishing, too, because we have a huge pent-up demand for ice fishing. We're going to see a tremendous number of people ice fishing this winter. Now, there's some other fish in there, too. What's going on with the perch and the um, kokanee? Uh, Perch, to start with, those things have still been caught at random, fairly shallow. One thing that happened when the lake filled last year was it covered up a lot of growth that happened on the shoreline from two years ago in the real bad drought. So a lot of those stick-ups are still in the lake, and at this new water level that's lower, you're kind of running out of that shoreline cover. The deepest of it's maybe down 10 or 15 feet, and there's going to be some perch that are going to stay in that stuff most of the winter. Prior to the new cover arriving a couple years ago, the general thing with perch in the winter is they go very deep, and they're looking for real vertical cover, tip like cliff walls, big, big rocks. And a lot of these perch are going to winter in like in that 60-foot range, and so they're going to be a little bit easier to target once a lot of that deeper water stuff freezes over and you can get next to those big vertical rock walls and fish for them straight down so they're a little bit tougher now in general um and as far as kokanee salmon goes um there's going to be the next year's age class that's going to run to spawn they did some sonar studies this fall of the the lake in general and noted that 
this year was kind of a lower run than we've had for a while, but the next couple of age classes coming up, there's a really, really good population of those in the lake right now. Um, again, they're just open water, schooling, following the river channel. So trolling now in the open water is by far the way to go, and you'll still find them pretty shallow with the cold water, most of them 20 to 30 foot. And then as the lake freezes, we'll be able to target those fish a little better through the ice along the river channels and stuff. So let's talk about the lake freezing. We're going to, you said it's about 85% open water right now, and you have days where you go out open ice fishing in the morning, then open water fishing a little when it warms up a little bit in the afternoon, and that will continue for a while. Are you, has the ice finally progressed far enough out where there's some pretty good fishing available? Yes, yeah, so Iola Basin now is going to be probably for the next three weeks where you can ice fish. And so currently, probably for the next week or so, you're going to want to stay pretty close to the shore and inside the little bay areas around Iola just because a lot of that just capped over in the last couple days. Um, but the spots right now that you can go to would be like Stevens Creek, um, North Willow Creek, and then across the lake at the Iola Boat Ramp. And all of those spots historically are always really good for catching numbers of fish. There's a lot of rainbows that use those back bay kind of areas in the winter to hold. So that's probably going to be for at least the next week or so. What you're probably going to be finding the most of is rainbows, kind of in the shallower stuff that's frozen really good. And then once here in the next week or so, as that ice thickens and you can get out in the middle, there's a, a good population of, like, pup lake trout that always move up into Iola in the winter and hang around that river channel. So you'll be able to target lake trout, brown trout, and the rainbows kind of all together once here about another week once that deeper stuff freezes real solid. And when you're talking pup lake trout, you're talking lake trout typically probably 15 to 20 inches. They're great ones to take some home and eat, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful table fare. Um, and that's the target size of what the state's kind of wanting everybody to keep out of this lake uh, to kind of keep the population kind of at check. And so they started that tournament last year, which they had great success, especially through the ice anglers coming up and catching those like 14 to 20 inch lake trout and so they're hoping to continue that this winter we haven't seen any new details but it sounds like the state's probably going to do another one of those lake trout tournaments to try to encourage everybody to keep some of those little lake trout all right we are out of time andy but um we've got we'll get you back on to keep us updated tell people how they get a hold of you yeah the best way Follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at GSO Fishing, um, or you could go to our website, gsofishing.com, where we do a blog and we offer products for sale on there, too, that are real tailored to trout and trophy trout ice fishing techniques that we've kind of developed over the years. So there's some cool stuff there to look at, too. All right. Thank you, Andy. We're going to take a time out and we come back. We're going to talk to Michelle from Bar Lake right here in Colorado, right here in the Front Range on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, serving the outdoor public in Colorado for 65 years. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Bar Lake is Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing good. And as soon as I hear your voice, I know that even on a wintry Saturday morning, you're going to bring some sunshine into my life. You always are so bubbly and enthusiastic. I just love having you on. You, you you truly love what you do, and it comes through. You have a passion for it, and that's what one of the reasons Bar Lake, week after week, year after year, is such a premier destination, so close to home right here. Let's For people who don't know, tell them where Bar Lake is located and describe it for them. Of course. So we're in Brighton, Colorado, just 20 minutes east of Denver. So we're a quick day trip. So, you know, Bar Lake has a lot to offer. We have a wonderful nature center. We have waterfowl hunting twice a week. We have a, a trail that goes all the way around the lake. It's eight miles. We have fishing. We have boating. We have this time of year, our bald eagles are coming back. So, you know, it's just a great um, day trip um, for the family. Yeah, it really is. And we're gonna, you have an event coming up, too, or it's kind of a multi-day event, but we'll talk about that in just a minute. Let's start out by, you know, this summer, you guys got hit by the drought. You pulled down. They were afraid that they were going to lose the fish. They did a little bit of fish salvage, but that's over. What's First, what's the status of the water levels right now? So we've been filling since November 1st, so the water levels are coming up, so that's good. Um, we have a little bit of ice on the on the shoreline so no ice fishing yet but um you know it's getting colder so perhaps this winter we will have ice fishing yeah and i think people because they went down and they took quite a few fish out or you let people take fish out i have a sneaking suspicion there's a lot of fish left in that lake don't you i do too you know it was a small pool but you know maybe the the bigger fish ate the little fish and we got some big ones out there i think yeah, and I think there'll be some tremendous ice fishing opportunities. With this cold weather, I would think in a couple of weeks you might have an opportunity, although with water coming in, you really have to be careful and check the ice. So I would think there'd be some good ice fishing opportunities, but I think they should probably... Do you post conditions on Facebook or your website? Um, we do it on both. So, yes, they for sure people need to be um, cautious of ice. You know, we never say ice is safe. So, you know, always bring a buddy and make sure that you're taking all the precautions. All right. Now, let's talk about some of the other things you have to offer. The eagles, I was talking to a couple of my neighbors just a week or two ago. and They were surprised they had seen a bald eagle somewhere. I said, well, I think there's times at Bar Lake when there's 60 or 70 bald eagles. I don't know how many you have now, but you reach some phenomenal numbers at times, don't you? Yeah, last year, you know, we had our biggest year. Um, we, in one day, our... Um, volunteer raptor monitors counted 116. So we've seen Gee. about 30. To, yeah, we've seen about 30 or 40 right now. They winter here and they they love to eat fish. So it's a great time um, to come out in Bar Lake to see those. Yeah, and and you the even though probably not a good time to fish, there's ice on shore. You can't get out on the lake yet, but that'll change pretty soon. But there's so much to do out there. You mentioned the trail, the eagles, and the eagles aren't the only birds. Half of that area is kind of a bird sanctuary, right? It is. So, you know, the whole southern half is our wildlife refuge. Um, and, you know, you can see many species of birds. You know, we've sighted over 371 different bird species at Bar Lake. So, you know, we call Bar Lake the bed and breakfast for birds. Yeah, it's really uh, just a great place and a short drive. Now, you mentioned you have waterfall hunting. Is that 
a couple days a week, does that need to be reserved or is it first come, first serve? So it is, you do have to make a reservation. You can find out information about how to do that on our website. Um, and we hunt on Wednesday and Saturdays. Um, so they, a lot of times people will check out around noon. So you can get a first come, first serve for the afternoon. Um, so it's been pretty good. Yeah, and it's it's kind of you're you're getting them as they go. You're not right on the lake. You're just down below the dam. Is that right? Yeah. So it's all Passover shooting. So you know the they don't land in the field. So you don't have to haul a bunch of decoys out. It's all Passover shooting. So it's a little bit of a different type of opportunity. But like like we've talked about, you know, we're just 25 minutes east of Denver. So you don't gotta go far. You can come out, try your hand at it, and then go home and warm up. Right, and if you have your licenses and a shotgun, you really don't need a lot of extra equipment because you're not going to be calling them or decoying them in. So it's a great way to get started if you're a waterfall hunter. Um, you also have an archery range. Before we get to your events, I want to talk about that archery range. I believe you're upgrading it, but that is, are your archery ranges open year-round? Yeah, so our standing range is open year-round. Our 3D range closed here um, the 1st of December, and it'll open back up. Um, March 1st. And so the reason we did that is because we're going to make some improvements to the 3D range. We're we're making um, a platform that you can shoot off of. And then we just got in like, I think it's six or eight new 3D targets. So we got a new elk. We got a velociraptor. So we're really going to make some improvements to the 3D range. Um, but our standing range is always open um, year round. I think there's limited take on velociraptors in Colorado. It's hard to draw a tag. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, seriously, the 3D range, when you can practice on them, it's really, it's really because people shoot a static range and their arrow hits the target. But when you're shooting 3D into a 3D animal, you actually get to see how your arrow would have penetrated that animal, and you take shots from different angles and different positions, and it really makes you a much better hunter. So when that opens up, archery is like just like firearms. If you're going to hunt or just for fun, it's always fun to practice. But let's get to the the, the activities you've got going on. I think first you've got some, a lighted Christmas trail. Is that right? Yeah, so we have our holiday lighted trail. Um, the first big night is December 19th, and then we added three extra nights, the 20th, 21st and 22nd and I think we're going to have to add a third night um, because you have to have reservations you know we want everyone to be safe during um, these COVID restrictions so you have to have a reservation and it's either um, you can drive through or you can walk so you can go to our Facebook page the Bar Lake State Park Facebook page to check for times um, to register but it's a great um, a great way to get out with your family in a safe environment outside and we have great sponsors like United Power and friends of our lake that help us add lights every year. So during this unusual time, it's going to be a great time just to come out and celebrate the holiday season. And then I think you have something for the kids when New Year's comes, don't you? Yeah, you know, we've always had a great New Year's Eve noon event for kids, and we still wanted to offer that. So we're offering New Year's Eve somewhere um, on December 31st, and we have a couple different times for that as well. Go to our Facebook page. But we're going to celebrate the ball dropping, probably from our flagpole outside, and celebrate and have crafts to go, snacks to go. So it's all COVID-friendly, and we want people to be safe, but we want people to be outside. You can come for these events and then go on a nature hike and, and look for those bald eagles. 
All right, Michelle, we've got to run, but thank you so much for joining us. People, go check out the social media from Bar Lake. There's something to do close to home. You can go do it. People are going to be getting outside all winter yet, and we just need to take advantage of it. Thank you. Bye, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear. I mean, if you're looking for a Christmas gift for, well, for anyone, really, they have stuff for everybody, but especially the outdoor enthusiast in your life. I mean, they have stores in Fort Collins, Loveland, Lafayette, Broomfield, Cheyenne, and the selection of goods they have and clothing and outdoor gear and just things you wouldn't even imagine. Go in one and look around. You'll be just pleasantly surprised. Hey, we were supposed to do a segment right now on backcountry winter safety awareness. Unfortunately, the 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 person from Parks and Wildlife who was going to come on and do this with me came down ill last night. And so we're going to reschedule that. I'm going to kind of give you an overview, a little bit of what we were going to talk about. And then I'm going to go over some winter survival and safety tips that I think everybody should have. You know, we're seeing so many people. uh, We saw just a tremendous amount of people get into the outdoors in Colorado with COVID. We, you know, people weren't flying to Hawaii and Florida for vacation. The youth sports weren't uh, in effect for a long time, even professional sports TV was, and people just wanted to get out store, outdoors and they found out they loved it. And I don't think we're going to see percentage wise that slow down through the winter. We were seeing such growth in winter activities as it was already that I think we're going to see tremendous growth. We're going to see people hiking. We're going to see them cross country skiing. We're going to see them snowshoeing. We're going to see them just getting out uh, camping, winter camping. There's going to be ice fishing. There's going to be reasons to get out. You heard Michelle go look at the wildlife, look at the birds. Um, There's just a lot to do. So we want to make sure you do it safely. So the governor this week, he proclaimed uh, this last week, uh, Backcountry Winter Safety Awareness Week, and they had a theme each day. And the first one was choose your destination wisely. You know, know where you're going, understand what the conditions are and what you might face before you get there. And then a second one was avoid activities that are beyond your skill level. You know, we all get outdoors, and sometimes it looks easy. We see it on TV or we read about it. But until you get out there and understand the nuances, if it's something that could put you in a precarious situation, go with a friend or a guide or somebody that can get you through your first couple times out and understand what's going on so you don't get in trouble. And, of course, trash. Take your trash out. Anything you haul in, haul out. Let's keep the area clean and, and beautiful for everybody. We're going to get into avalanche danger, so we want you to check that. And then bring the proper safety equipment for whatever you're doing. Make sure you're properly equipped. And then as you interact with wildlife, understand that and take the backcountry pledge. Now, you're going to find all that on the Parks and Wildlife website if you just go to the Backcountry Winter Safety Awareness and do a search, and we will reschedule that. But while while we're on this type of subject, I want to go over, we do a lot of um, survival and safety comfort for outdoor year-round recreation on this show, and I've been part of some search and rescue. We've had some of the best search and rescue and outdoor survivalists in the country on this show, and we never do it 
not in this intense survival, like you're going to be out there for a month, like naked and afraid. But those couple of those people right from Colorado, we have had them on, but that's not the kind of survival we're talking about. We're talking about you head out for a day trip and something goes wrong. You get injured or lost or you're camping and something goes wrong, winter camping or you're snowshoeing and it can happen so quickly, or it seems like nice weather and all of a sudden a storm blows in. So I, on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, I, faced, I, I posted a column that I wrote for the Denver Post on winter survival. And there's a lot of misnomers that I really want to kind of dispel. I want you to read the article, but I'm going to point you in a few directions on things. One is, uh, I, hear, I hear these news stories. Somebody, they come on, he was trapped in the wilderness for 36 hours and he survived by eating bugs. Well, that is so wrong. Because first of all, eating those bugs probably put him in more danger than helped him survive. The, we, we go by the rule of threes in the outdoors. Uh, we've, and that's it. You can go three minutes without oxygen. And you can go three, de- three hours without shelter in severe winter conditions. You can go three days without water. And you can go up to three weeks without food. Now, obviously individuals and conditions will change those. We're all a little different in the conditions we're in. You're not going to go as long without water if you're in Death Valley. And so there's going to be differences. But those are pretty good rules of thumb when you're planning your safety. We used to do these um, safety awareness and survival classes, and we'd ask people, what are the most important things? And food and water were always on the list. Well, it's, it's important to be hydrated when you're doing outdoor activities, but if you get into a survival situation, that falls down the list of keeping you alive, although if you're going to be a long-term out there. And that's determined by a few things. The number one thing you need to do is you need to tell somebody where you're going and when you're coming back. And if that changes, you need to tell somebody that it changed. I will tell you as a search and rescue person, if they know where you're supposed to be, it narrows down finding you. It helps. You can almost then plan that if you don't return on time, help will be on the way. So that that makes a difference. So that comes down to the self-rescue part. If you're out and you get injured or lost and you've got a cell phone with a signal or or you've got some means of communication, obviously you can communicate your needs. You know help is on the way. If you don't, Then you have to determine, does somebody know where I'm at? What is the reasonable time I can expect that somebody would come up searching for me and look for me? How long do I have to survive out here? Now, that might mean you also may have to consider self-rescue if you don't think anybody knows or nobody knows where you're at. But the first thing I always recommend is have two or three ways of building a fire. Immediately when you get lost, Build a small fire. This does two or three things for you. One, it keeps you in one spot. The worst thing search and rescue wants to do is find where you've been. All right? So it keeps you in one spot. Next, it calms you down. Too many people make moves in a panic situation. You don't want to do that. So you want to you want to, want to settle down. You want to assess your situation and then make good decisions while you're by that fire. Thirdly, that fi- well, also that fire is going to provide warmth, and it's going to provide signaling if people are looking for you. So find a way to build a fire. 
The next thing, I'm assuming you're dressed properly. You're not wearing any cotton. You've got the right clothing. We've done many shows where we've covered that. and We'll get back into it uh, on future shows. But then the next thing is, do you need shelter? So a shelter, if I'm out ice fishing, shelter, I have an ice fishing shelter with me. But in my winter gear, I always have a space blanket. A space blanket that's reflective on one side and not as reflective on the other. It'll virtually fit in your pocket. It'll keep the wind off you. And if you're dressed properly and you've got a fire going, it will really give you long-term survival capabilities. But even if you take like an, a great big orange garbage bag and put it in your backpack, you cut the head out and arms, make like a poncho out of it. It keeps the snow off you. It keeps the rain off you. And that orange shows up for a long way. So if you just do those basics, you're probably going to survive. Most of the time, if somebody knows where you are, you're going to be rescued in less than 72 hours. You're not going to have to worry so much about food and water and long term. Can it happen? Sure it can. And that takes somebody, you're getting into a situation where you should have been more prepared. I encourage you to go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and read my column from the Denver Post on survival. And then we're going to cover the outdoor backpacking safety awareness more here in the next few weeks and more survival. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to go to the Trigger Time Gun Club and find out what's going on there on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. To Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from the Trigger Time Gun Club is Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Terry. It's been a while since we spoke on the air. You know, um, you know, Trigger Time, I love going there. We haven't talked, had you on the air for a while. Why don't you describe your facility and tell people where it's located? Well, I'll, I'll do the shortcut here. It's the ideal day to shoot indoors. And uh, here at Trigger Time... <laughs> We've got uh, a 25-yard. We've got 11 lanes of 25-yard indoor with uh, programmable target carriers. We've also got seven lanes. This really sets us apart. We've got seven lanes of 100-yard rifle ranges with good benches like you'd expect to see at an outdoor range and adjustable height stools. And through all the lanes, we've got a fantastic air handling system that keeps good, clean air. Uh, we're located just north of uh, Denver, just a little ways, actually. We're from 120th. We're about 15 miles north, 120th and I-25. We're about 15 minutes north, uh, just uh, east of the Longmont exit. Yeah, and that 100-yard indoor range is pretty unique, isn't it? It is. It, it's something that it's uh, it's a lot of area to actually get you know a football field length uh, indoors uh, just for shooting, but uh, that's what we have here. Yeah, and is there any, what kind of guns can I shoot at that, that rifle range? Is um, uh, pretty pretty big calibers? Absolutely. We can handle anything up to African game calibers. We handle up to about 8,000 foot-pounds of energy. Uh, I, I have been asked, and we can, we can actually handle 50 BMG rounds, although we choose not to. Um, I shot 50 BMG competitively for several years, and I can't imagine really unleashing one indoors. They about take your breath away when you're outdoors. You know, the concussion is so severe. But we can handle any anything. We shoot a lot of Lapuas in here, a lot of 338 Lapua. Uh, people do their homework, their load development and testing and zeroing indoors. It gives you a perfect condition for that. Well, I love doing the pistol range. As you know, I shoot the handgun range quite a bit. And I always am a big, I'm a big fan of 
working on your basics in controlled conditions, your grip, your trigger pull, your sight picture. Then when you get into adverse conditions, whether it's weather, wind, stress, you, you're not thinking about those basics because you're able to really focus on them. And that's I love doing that on the 25-yard uh, range. Karen and I come in quite a bit and do that. Now, people do need to know that to shoot there, it's memberships, right? That is correct. We are membership only for the shooting ranges. Uh, the store is open to the public as well as our training and training department. We've got a male and female trainer in here. And, uh, boy, that's, that's a good point you just brought up, actually. Uh, stirred my mind up here. Um, there's so many new firearm shooters right now. There's so many people new into firearms, and, and we see that on the background checks, and it's just a fact across the country. But uh, uh, the classes, whether you take them from me or somebody credible, you, new firearms owners really need somewhere like this to practice. It's indoors. It's comfortable. Uh, take some classes. Then then practice what you learn in the classes till you perfect it. And to your point about practicing somewhere indoors, it's all about muscle memory. You know, when you do something hundreds or thousands of times, it just becomes second nature, like putting on your watch in the morning. Uh, you know, at first maybe it's clumsy and you get used to it. It's just muscle memory and you know how to do it. So might as well get that muscle memory in somewhere where it's uh, convenient, uh, it's comfortable, and then in adverse conditions, like you say, it just comes naturally. Well, and I think you're absolutely right with the number of new shooters. We've seen every every segment of the outdoors, new people are getting into it, and shooting they're getting into for a variety of reasons. Uh, but learning the basics not only makes you more efficient with your firearm, but it makes you safer because if you're used to working the manual of arms, how you rack your, your handgun, how you – what the your bolt is like on your rifle or whatever you're practicing – you're not thinking about that when you're doing it, and you can think about the safety features at the same time, Paul. I think that's extremely important. Absolutely, and it, it, that's part of that muscle memory that I mentioned. You know, the, the safety aspect just becomes second nature. You never want to become complacent with a firearm, no matter how much. Uh, even myself, uh, I handle firearms every day of my life, and you don't want to ever become complacent. But that muscle memory, you know the barrel only goes one way, and... You know when you look at a target or if you're hunting in the field, you know you're not just focused on the target. You're what's behind it. You know, what's what's beyond my target, what's around my target. And that just becomes second nature. That's that muscle memory, but never to be complacent about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, I, I want to move on to your retail and memberships a little more. But before we do... Um, you know, a lot of people are getting into shooting for various reasons, and some of it isn't recreational. But when they get into shooting and they start coming to the range, all of a sudden they find out it's kind of fun, don't they? Well, we've seen that a lot over the years. Yeah, people come in and, uh, you know, whether it's self-defense or home protection, whatever it may be, they come in and all of a sudden they find out, hey, this is a really fun sport. Uh, it, it requires, again, muscle memory. It, remind, it requires hand-eye coordination. And it just is fun. It just is enjoyable, as you and Karen know. It's a very enjoyable thing. And being the private range like we are, uh, it, it's nice because we know all of our members very well. We, we, we see them lose stress when they come out here and shoot. Sometimes we'll see them come in after work. They're not quite themselves. Maybe they're just... Uh, 
you know, they're not grumpy, but they're not themselves. They go shoot for an hour, they come out, and they're back to themselves. It's that, that mental reset that we all have with different activities. You know, it'd be a lot more enjoyable for me if Karen would not keep out shooting me. But She would make you look so bad, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Hey, before we talk about uh, it's Christmas, there's people, you know, looking for Christmas gifts and things like that. Um what about your retail? That's open to the public, right? Uh, have you got a selection of guns and accessories? Yes, we sure do. We've got a great selection of uh, firearms still, of uh, basically all types, but shotguns. We don't do a huge amount with shotguns. Being an indoor range, we don't really shoot shotguns except for slugs here. But uh, the store is well stocked. The one thing we are short on, like the whole country, is ammo. So our ammunition is reserved for range use only for our members, as, as you know you have been in. When it gets tight like this, we just have to keep the range running and keep the ammunition for our shooting here. But uh, as on the uh, thinking of uh, holiday ideas and stuff, we've got gift certificates, which are very good. Do a uh, gift certificate for a class, for a membership, for a firearm, or just for anything. You know, people, just a gift certificate to come in and, you know, you've got somebody on the list that uh, likes firearms or, or hunting. Uh, it's a pretty versatile gift that they can come in and for sure leave happy. Well, and there's lots of accessories and other things you have there, even cleaning supplies, holsters. There's just a myriad of things. So, Paul, we're running out of time. If people want to stop by or if they want to get a hold of you, tell them what your hours are and how they locate you. Well, right now we're running a little short on hours. Our hours are uh, Tuesday through Saturday. 10 a.m. to 6, that's uh, COVID hours. Sunday is 10 till 5. Mondays, we're always closed for maintenance and deep cleaning. Best way to find us is go to our website. You can find everything there. You can join on our website. We've got a membership page, some of our training, and that website is triggertimegunclub.com. Well, and I'll tell you, one of the things Karen and I love is we're going to be shooting next week. We already have the lane reserved because we're members, so we don't have to worry. We're just going to show up at our reservation. The lane will be ready and waiting for us. We know it's going to be available. We know how long we've got it. Makes it so convenient, Paul. That is, and that's why we are membership only, is, is convenience and safety. It just uh, it wraps up a lot of things in one package. All right. My friend, thank you. We will see you next week. Look forward to it, Terry. All right, thanks. That's Paul from Trigger Time Gun Club. We're going to take a really quick time out, and Nate Zielinski is going to talk ice fishing gear and Christmas gifts right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.